Welcome back to another episode of Millennial Money. We got a really exciting one for you today because Kevin decided to short the market. Three and a half million dollars. He didn't tell any of us he was going to do it. He just posted a video and I and I looked at my phone. I'm like, Kevin, what are you doing? Because Jeremy is a buyer. So basically, Kevin is doing the opposite of what Jeremy is doing. And uh, he's put a lot of money on the line. I'm uh, just, just a witness to this. And Andre is busy buying crypto. So he, he has no idea what's going on either. So uh, I would love for this to be an argument between you, Kevin, and you, Jeremy. We could debate exactly who's going to be right and who's going to be wrong. And then Andre is going to tell us which cryptos are the best to buy right now. So basically do what we do every week, Graham. Kevin and I will carry the show. Andre's going to ask questions, probably a hundred of them. And Graham, you're going to sit back and collect a check. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited. All right. All right. First off, Kevin, well, what's going on? What's this three and a half mil? Are you short in specific stocks? Are you short in the market in general? A 2x leverage? Oh, no leverage. So it's uh, it's I'm shorting ARC with uh, with S ARC. It's an ETF that does swaps. So you're not uh, you're not exposed to margin risk or getting called out. Uh, they just swap the performance. Uh, you, you pay a little bit more in fees for that because you're paying interest uh, the way the swap contracts work. I, I'm not a swap expert, but I know that you're paying uh, a little bit of interest plus the management fee. And uh, I'm really doing that because a lot of the positions uh, in, in the market uh, especially ARC positions, not all of them, but a lot of them uh, have really had some incredible runs uh, in, in the last six months. And we're starting to see uh, potentially some enthusiasm rotate down. Some things have already rotated down, uh, like PayPal and Square have already rotated down. Robinhood's like way down, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they've got a lockup coming up. That thing's going to be a buy the dip soon. But really, uh, obviously, Kathy's big position is Tesla. Wouldn't be surprised if we have a little bit of uh, pressure down. Uh, and for me, I'm looking for something that's not super volatile as a way to hedge my portfolio. So if I if I bought puts, those are going to be extremely volatile. If I get volatility crush, I'm screwed. Uh, if, uh, you know, those are good for little like gambles or, or bets, in my opinion. If I uh, short straight up, I, I could get squeezed out, right? You know, with SARC, for me to lose 10%, ARC K has to run 10%. If ARC K runs 10%, that means I'm sitting pretty because that means Tesla's going to be up and a lot of my core positions are probably up because we're probably rallying. And then cool. It was a cheap little insurance policy. I take the 10% uh, L on that, but I'm going to be way up because this is, I'm only using like what, 12% of my portfolio uh, to, to short arc with. On the other hand, if the market crashes, which I, I don't know that we really have a massive market crash catalyst, but if we get another big sell-off, uh, even if it's just like a four or 5% panic in the S&P, which is going to lead Tesla to go down 20, 30%, some of the other ARK investments potentially to sell off even more, uh, then really what I'm doing is I'm parking my cash money in hopes of a dip. Dip comes, I plan to cover that, sh uh, that you know, get out of that position, close SR, and then just go buying the dip on things that I really want to increase my exposure on. But I'm, I, I'm not interested in buying right now. Like, I don't want to buy more Tesla, NVIDIA, Enphase, Etsy, Matterport. I'm just not interested in buying these right now. Uh, uh, there are a lot of tech stocks I'm not interested in buying. So I thought, eh, okay, SARC, easy way for me to do it without some yeah. of the crazy risks of shorting. So just to – oh, go ahead. Can you explain a little bit more what this swap is? <laughs> I'm not familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah. It, they're basic. They're, they're a version of derivatives. I'm not going to be the best at explaining it. Uh, I I learned swaps a long time ago uh, as interest rate swaps, 
and, uh, and you can do them with equities as well. And so you have a counterparty that you're essentially making a deal with on an index. In this case, they're, they're indexifying uh, the ETF of RK. Uh, I don't know exactly how they do it, but the, the bottom line you got to know is you're going to pay a little bit of interest uh, for, for the opportunity, opportunity cost for the other people. You're uh, going to pay a management fee of about 0.75%. And basically, if ARK's up 2%, SARC is down 2% and vice versa. Uh, no margin call. And uh, you do have a little bit higher uh, fee exposure, though, because of the way swaps work and because there is an interest payment built in. But, you know, actually yeah. drawing out a sample, I'm, I'm not probably yeah, not going to do that. I, I think there's a couple. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. I think the way we should break this down for, for folks out there, especially if they don't follow you heavily, Kevin, is uh, two things. One, this is. Uh, they, they hear three and a half mil and some people think, wow, is this guy all in short the market yeah. or is this yeah. just a portion of his portfolio? Cause they're confused on, on, you know, what that means for you. Right. Two, yeah, it I'm sounds like this is more of a hedge play than yeah. necessarily a bet that the stock market is going to tank. If you could just clarify maybe both those. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, absolutely. So I, uh, over the last few weeks have taken a lot of profits. Uh, some things I've closed out that have been down a little bit, but I, uh, I raised about 16.8% of my portfolio in cash. Uh, so just percentage-wise, that gives you an idea. The uh, 3.5 mil short is somewhere around like 12%. So it's really just like a small little hedge. It's uh, a, most of the cash that I have. And I'm kind of just parking it there because I'm not interested in buying right now. I'm interested in buying if there's a dip. If there's not a dip, cool. I've got a little less exposure to the madness, which I think is madness, and, uh, and, and I'm good. Like, honestly, I would prefer... Almost on a nine to one basis, I would prefer the market to just keep going insane and stupid. <laughs> yeah, so Andre, yeah, oh, I'm looking at the Sark uh, thing you're talking about. I've actually never heard of an ETF like this having an S, like SARC. That I've literally never heard of that before. I've been investing for a long time. So it's brand not new. every stock, not every stock or every ETF has a counter version of uh, short. This is just new. It's brand new, uh, and it doesn't even necessarily mean that it has to have a, an S ticker symbol in front of it. That's just a ticker that was available for them. It's basically just an ETF that uh, that, that does the opposite of uh, our catch. Interesting. Look at the Robin. It says inverse. Hold on. I've never seen that before. Yeah. Wait, so wait. Moves... Andre, do that again. I'll make you uh, – you get full screen now. Let's see it. So it moves in inverse proportion to ARC, basically. Wow. Yep. wow. Cool. I had no hmm. idea that was even a thing. Me neither. Yeah. So, Graham and Andre, what do you guys think about a strategy where you hedge like this? Is that something you guys would ever be interested in? Or are you just like, if I hedge, it's more like I just pile cash? I don't know. See, I'm so different from Kevin. Like, uh, if he if he's so convinced and he goes all in, I could see that being like, yeah, that's worth Kevin's time. But for 12% as a hedge, I just like, I don't know. If I were Kevin, I would just be investing in stocks and not even paying attention to the market. But then the counter to that is that, uh, at least for Kevin, it, it gives interesting content to talk about as well. So like his three and a half million, it's a lot of money, but it's also, he could make multiple videos about this. Even if he's wrong, it's a hedge. It's not that much uh, in relation to everything else. So I don't know. If I were Kevin, I wouldn't even bother. Uh, yeah, wow. no. Not to mention that, like, the way I traditionally understand shorting is, I mean, there's a point at which you can get liquidated and lose pretty much all your money, right? 
Whereas not with in this, this. Yeah, yeah, with this, it doesn't work that way. So if it, it's 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 exactly in proportion. So it's not a huge risk. I've personally never hedged my investments in that way. Um, I just diversify, but I've never actually hedged on anything. I don't know about you guys. I know. Jeremy, what do you do as yeah. hedges? No, I really don't. It's not as a bad strategy because you can do something like this or you can buy put options. You know, let's say mm -hmm. you got a million dollars in a stock. You could buy like 50K worth of one year output options or something like that. Just in case the stock tanks, you make money on the, the put options, obviously. Then you can go ahead and use that money into buying that stock for a much cheaper price if it tanked, right? And so... I, I don't personally do it. It's not my cup of tea, but this is something hedge funds do on the regular. And that's why they're called hedge funds. One of the reasons is because they love to hedge positions, you know, um, go short things, buy put options. And then, you know, they got all these different different strategies and whatnot. And, and, and their portfolios are the roughly the size of Kevin's. Uh, but <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Slightly but... smaller. Slightly <laughs> smaller. Okay. So is there a okay, uh, question? Because <laughs> that's what I do. Um, is there a point at which... Uh, for portfolio, like could ordinary people do this? Like if I have a portfolio that's the size of say $100,000, would it make any sense in any situation for me to hedge my bet on anything? Or do you think that it's, I guess, a little bit better to do when you have a larger position on something or like a, a higher net worth? Or or could this be for anyone? Because I've never really heard ordinary people do this kind of strategy. Yeah, for I, I would personally say it's more of uh, it should be more of the trading portion of your portfolio. So 85% uh, of my portfolio is, is my long. I trade with the other 15%. There's nothing that I'm very excited about buying right now. And usually when I feel unexcited about the market and everybody else is like, Kevin, why, why aren't you buying this? Why aren't you buying this? I'm like, Let's let it fall some more. Like people are people are bagging on me. They're like, oh, Kevin, why aren't you buying SoFi? You said SoFi was good and, and you're not buying it. You didn't buy it at 20. Now it's at 24. You're an idiot. And now it's back to $17. And it's it's like the stuff comes down. Like stocks don't only go up, right? So uh, I'm coming up to the end of the year. I want to make, I, I want to try to raise some capital to either buy the dip in stocks or maybe buy some real estate so I can get a little bit more of a tax benefit. Uh, so I don't really want to liquidate you know, my 85% longs because I'm going to pay tons of money in taxes. But hey, if I could park cash around, uh, if I could put some of that into uh, a, a, a short on on Kathy Woodstocks, uh, and if the market falls, then hey, great. I've made another maybe 10, 20% on that cash basket. Now I start buying the dip. That'd be a good option too. So I don't know if I would recommend it for anybody really. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe if somebody really thought for some reason that we were just going to continue rotating down or they wanted potentially more cash to go buy a dip and they weren't going to buy a dip unless we had more of a dip. <laughs> because uh, me waiting to buy the dip implies yeah. I think stocks are going to come down more at some point, right? Personally, if I had three and a half million dollars just in cash sitting on the sidelines, I would probably put it into a stable coin and just start either staking it or earning interest on it at like seven, five to seven percent. That seems like yeah. a no-brainer, like just guaranteed. I, I don't I don't know if I would take the risk to, to short something, but Dude, that's seven percent on three and a half mil. That's insane. That's that. That's a great point, uh, Andre. That's a great point because you get into these opportunity costs. And Kevin uses three and a half mil there. You know, if we even distract from stocks, like let's say Kevin, you know, you don't want to buy Teladoc stock, TDoc, even though it's gone from three hundred to hundred, or Robinhood. You know, I don't even know what that's trading at now. Or some of these other stocks that have just fallen off the cliff. Oh, yeah, fair play. But yeah, like Andre said. Why not buy some VGX and get 7%? No, that's not a stable coin, okay? Not VGX, but no, is USDC or something like that. Like, have you thought about that? Considered that at all? Mm, yeah, no. 
two reasons. One, I only expect to be in this position for a few weeks. Even if I'm Ooh. in it for two weeks, uh, I'll only be in it for, you know, it, you're talking $10,000 of interest. And I'll, it, like, honestly, I transferred my money over to Voyager, my, my the crypto that I had. And then I wanted to transfer it back to Coinbase Pro. And they had a $25,000 cap. Here I am sitting there with $888,000 now stuck in Voyager. I email customer service. Oh, no. I fill out the little artificial intelligence bot uh, survey on, on the Voyager thing. And they're like, oh, give us your information, upload attachments. So I did. I did. I filled it all out. I hit submit. And then they're like, oh, uh, just actually fill out this form and email us. And I'm like, ah. Oh. So they deleted all the information I already given them. So then I email them in the little email form. I put all the information in it again. Then I get an email and they're like, hey, we got your email. Uh, here's some common problems. If you need more help, reply to this email. But they didn't recapture any of the original stuff I sent them. So for the third time, I sent an email. All right, so Kevin, this, sorry, this is who you want to hit up. Hold on. Uh, Steven, you know who the CEO is, Steven Ehrlich. Just yeah. hit him up on Twitter. I guarantee you he's going to get back to you faster than any other support team. So yeah, I, I probably, he's gonna do it. He's gonna do it. I don't, I don't care that much to where like I want to leverage that and like bug him, right? Uh, you know, I'm just, I just looked at the email again to make sure. Five days ago, I respond again. Four days ago, I go checking it. Literally, no replies to anything. So it's honestly like it's gonna take. If I wanted to take eight hundred eighty-eight thousand dollars out of Voyager right now, divided by the twenty-five thousand dollar limit. It'll literally take me 35 days of every single day transferring money out of there, which is like, I feel like I got sucked into Chinese handcuffs. Like, quite frankly, I'm pissed. You should have, you know what, the, 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 how you solve this, Kevin, is you just deposit more money in. That, that's how you, <laughs> you don't take it out. Don't there was no limit for how much I could put in. They did not <laughs> mind receiving right. hundreds of thousands of dollars at a time. <laughs> No, I, I, it's funny because I ran across the same issue and I, I just put some money in there. I put like half a million in there and I'm like, well, I just want to withdraw it just to see what the process is like. And I found the same problem and I'm no. like, no, I'm going to the source. I went directly to Steven and he's like, all right, what do you want your limit to be? <laughs> like, Yeah. Now my understanding though, my understanding is that those are, those are regulations put in place that need to be abided by. And we had the same thing at Yada Bank where they had to limit the withdrawals to $10,000, I think, a week. And uh, it was simply due to a regulation to prevent money laundering. And they had to, they, they actually had to withdraw the money back into the same account that they put it in. And there, there were a whole bunch of things that they just had to comply with. And a lot of that was cracking down on, um, on either scams or money laundering. So that yeah, could just be a blanket statement. They have the option to increase it for people who they know, but that's my understanding, at least. Sounds like for, a cute excuse, man. Coinbase no. doesn't do this crap. <laughs> it, it's, for, it's for security reasons, right? It's like, yeah, you just well, want to make sure hey, that people aren't taking out. I think this is important, Kevin, because there could be different regulations for Coinbase than there actually is for Voyager in all seriousness, because Voyager describes themselves as a crypto brokerage versus Coinbase is a crypto exchange. And so it could very well be that Coinbase goes that route over time. It's just right now, um, you know, those those two companies might have to do, deal with different regulations based upon what they call themselves. So maybe. All right. But look, three and a half million dollars at seven percent is two hundred forty five thousand dollars that Kevin could just be earning a year passively just forever. Divided. D divided by 52 
and there's your weekly. <laughs> I'm only going to be in this for a couple weeks. <laughs> no, but why wouldn't you just keep the money? I guess you just want it for opportunities, right? Like, oh anytime. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I want it in my uh, my brokerages because if if we get a, a big sell off, uh, I got to buy fast. You know, a firm, for example, hit 118, and I'm staring at it like, do I want to buy 118? I'm like, nah, I'm going to wait a little bit because we're getting this fintech sell off right now, uh, and so. Um, yeah, I, I uh, but I do want the money there and available and quick. Uh, well, so talking I'd about sell-off, talking about sell-off. So I have a couple of friends of mine, Stan, from Germany, that just literally yesterday told me that Austria closed down completely. So I don't know, man. We're, we're, we haven't heard the news here yet, but go, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I want to get to that. I just want to address something here with Kevin and, and for the audience. And I think this is worth talking about for all of us for, right? Because you hear Kevin saying a lot of, well, I don't know if I want to buy it. It might drop more. These stocks are selling off, things like that. But at the end of the day, I think it's important that no one ever forgets kind of what we all honestly preach at the end of the day. If, a, if an asset is at a great price that you think is going to go up a ton over the coming years, it makes sense to buy it. You don't wait and say, you know, Kevin can do that because he's obviously more sophisticated. He's super in the market, right? So he can, he can play that game. For, for most folks, if there's a stock trading really cheap or a crypto or whatever it is, right? Or a house, you don't, you don't necessarily wait around and say, well, it might be even cheaper in two weeks. So let me wait around for that. You got to get in that position. You got to start building it out. If it's a bad price and you feel like this is a joke price, that's a totally different scenario, right? Where you're like, this is overpriced. This doesn't make sense. Fair. But if you think, if you think a stock's great at $200 and it drops to $100, right? You don't, for most folks out there, they shouldn't be saying, well, it might drop to 75. So let me wait to 75. You buy it at 100, just flat out, right? And if it drops to 75, you buy more shares. That's why you don't go all in one day. So I think that needs to be said. And I think that's what we all preach. And I don't want everybody that's watching this to get caught up into this game of like, well, it might go lower. So let me buy it in two weeks or two months or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, Kevin, you did that strategy with Tesla for a long time. I remember when Tesla was $1,000 before the split. And then yep. it dropped quite a bit. And you were buying. You were just like, I don't care. I know it's going to be worth more in the future. It doesn't matter if it's $400 or $1,000. What changed, Kevin? What happened? Uh, well, look, I, I agree. But the key part of what Jeremy mentioned is uh, if you think it's a cheap price. I don't. I don't think any of these things are cheap right now. Uh, I, I'm a little bit concerned that uh, when, when we do get an interest rate, uh, bump up that we're going to see some resistance. I'm, I don't know how optimistic I am about 2022. You know, 2022 is going to be comparing to 2021. Uh, rates tick up. Uh, people are still going to have all this inflation FUD. I think there'll be plenty of plenty of opportunities to go buy the dip. What When I want to buy the dip is when people are like yelling, going, uh, Kevin, if you're buying the dip, you're, you're catching the falling knife. That's yeah. when I want to be buying. When people are telling me that I'm catching a knife, that I should get out of the market, that everybody's fearful and screaming their heads off. That's what I want. And if I have to sit around for a year and wait for that, I'm good with that because I know well, if I, th I, I think by, But by your logic, then it's probably a good idea to buy Robinhood. Yeah, actually. Uh, so Robinhood has lockups coming up in, uh, what is it here? The beginning of December. So that means in the beginning of December, Come on, dude. I've literally just tried to withdraw $25,000 from Voyager and I get an error saying you exceed your $25,000 limit. <laughs> Steve, Steve, don't let him take it out. Don't let him take it out. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but anyway, so yeah, when, when these lockups come up, 
there could be some more selling pressure on Robinhood at the beginning of December. I don't think you're going to see Robinhood stabilized until probably December 10th or 7th, somewhere around there. I think the first week of December might be a juicy opportunity if people dump uh, the, the shares that they had locked up uh, to go shopping Robinhood pretty cheaply. Because I, I do think Robinhood's getting to that buy the dip level. I think PayPal's getting there. Uh, you know, NVIDIA, Enphase, Etsy, Tesla, these guys still too high. So, yeah. See, and, yeah. and, and I think that, that's a good stock to debate because I know you're bullish on, on the hood, uh, Kevin, and I know you are, Graham, as well. And I think one night we even talked about it at the gym, maybe, Graham. And I, for the, the hood, it's hard for me to see because it's so competitive. The stock brokerage game is ridiculous, man. You got the, the companies that are on the come up, like the Weebles and the Moo Moos and those companies, right? Then you got all the traditional players that compete very well, the TD Ameritrades, the Fidelity, uh, and, and all those players, right? And it just seems like the hood's kind of in this weird situation where I think it's going to be harder for them to attract new customers in the future because everybody mm -hmm. offers trades for cheap. Why do I, let's say I was brand new to the market. Why would I sign up for Robinhood versus Fidelity? I just, in my personal opinion, there's, there's no, there's nothing that makes sense there. I would much rather be with a Fidelity Investments. I would have way more trust with them than, than versus a Robinhood. No disrespect to them. So I'm just that's that's one that's always been hard for me to really wrap and then if you want to say crypto let, let's say you're saying you, know, you i want you want you want to play it from a crypto play dude there's so much competition in crypto it's ridiculous the amount of crypto brokerages and exchanges out there so that that's one that's always been hard for me to wrap my head around that's on what's the long term mention, story that's not to mention DeFi too jeremy i'm with you like that's not even De to mention the possible disruption from DeFi in the future so oh, i don't know 100? yeah yeah. Everybody wants to be a stock brokerage now. Everybody wants to be a, a crypto brokerage. Heck, Chase even has it where you can buy stocks through Chase now. I mean, it's like everybody has it. And so every one of these platforms sucks for some reason <laughs> or another. Fidelity <laughs> TD share is just going to continue to get to shrink and get smaller and smaller. And like what the huge pie was for companies like Fidelity and Charles Schwab, like they ran the markets. And now I feel like the pie that those guys get to enjoy is just going to ever like going to become increasingly or decreasingly just like continue to get smaller. So, I mean, that, that just seems inevitable with time. I don't know. They have the advantage of customer service though. And uh, that's the one thing Robinhood is really lacking. Oh, yeah. And I think Robinhood needs that, especially if you get your account to a million dollars on Robinhood, you should have somebody's personal cell phone number. Like you should have someone assigned to you that maybe deals with a few hundred people or like a thousand people who can get back to you almost immediately with an issue. That's something they should Yeah, I just don't think that's a barrier of entry though, like for any brokerage, like support staff, that anyone can hire that. Why don't they? Yeah. That's the Why thing. don't yeah. they? Robinhood hasn't yeah. done that yet. Robinhood, right. No, Robinhood for sure. But I'm talking about yeah. like the Voyagers, like I'm, I'm, they're, they're getting there. So, I mean. Mm -hmm. Customer support, I don't think, is a, is a defining trait that will give people too big of an advantage. Yeah, but it, but it would. I think if if Robin had offered a private, like a private concierge service for accounts over a million, I guarantee people who have a million dollars wouldn't transfer it out somewhere else. And I think it's, it's such a low hanging fruit. I don't know why they're not doing it. They have that callback feature. It gives someone sophisticated. Yeah. That's what I think. 
And it's also kind of, you know, in, in Graham, you're mentioning if you have over a mil, but it's also when you're on the come up, right? Like I remember calling Fidelity when I had 5K to my name, 2K, 7K, and I would call him up at nighttime or whatever and just need somebody to talk to. <laughs> no, Man, also, I, I would call him up if I needed something or something explained to me or, or whatever. And they always treated me with so much respect. They were always so kind on the phone. And look, at I'm still loyal to them to this day. And I have nothing bad to say about them. And if anybody ever came to me and was like, what, what brokerage should I go sign up with? I would tell them fidelity without hesitation. So it's about, it's about how you're treated as you're on this climb too. And that, that goes back to loyalty. And so I'll probably, and fidelity would have to really do me wrong for me to ever go away from them and be like, I'm going to go switch my money to Robin hood. Like that's just not happening. Right. So, um, but Kevin, you, you want to walk us through a little bit of your, your bull thesis on, on Robin hood? Cause I'm sure it's a stock. A lot of people think about like if they, they want to buy, especially with it tanking. Yeah. I mean, without going too deep, it's kind of like a, a, a Coinbase transition where, where you're really going through it. Coinbase, just as an example, you're going through this declining fees. Uh, so you're seeing revenue decline, uh, and you're going through at the same time, uh, increasing uh, secondary fees, so like lending or, or other services that they could provide. So you're seeing a similar thing happen at Robinhood, where you have this temporary decline in revenue, and you're expecting uh, to, to get back sort of on, on the growth trajectory. So the way I kind of look at it is you've, you've got growing rev, but you had this like explosion called GameStop and Dogecoin, and now it feels like you're coming down, but you're really just going back to that, that growth trajectory. Uh, and I, so I, I think Robinhood makes a trade opportunity. Well, I think if Robinhood, for example, was like $15, uh, you know, or under $20, the thing would have a market cap of under $20 billion. I, th I think it'd be smaller than like SoFi and other companies. It would be so ridiculously oversold for the earnings uh, and for the earnings potential that, uh, that for me, it would make sense uh, having, putting in a large position and then, uh, uh, you know, hopefully runs to uh, to a nice uh, sizable amount within six to 12 months and then you sell it. But I, I don't know that I want to hold the thing forever. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it's kind of telling. So, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we have the six and seven figure awards right uh, in, in the private group. And when you submit for that, you have to show your accounts, your portfolios. Right. Mm -hmm. I can tell you. The amount of people that have ever submitted for seven figure award with a Robinhood account is like maybe a few ever. And uh, the, the six figure amounts are a pretty small amount as well. But I can tell you what it seems like is Robinhood might get you as a beginner. And then you're like, OK, let me go somewhere where I feel safer or that I think is going to treat me better and have better customer service. So that to me is at least the, the bigger long term issue. But I know I understand Kevin's talking about more of this a trade play, but it's just that's that's an issue. Right. So, um, what do you think about that, Graham? Do you, do you have any opinion? Like, what, what, you know, people getting I, up to big amounts of money and going somewhere else. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised people aren't, um, to be honest with you, just because of Robinhood's lack of customer service. I think if they had more features, and I think customer servicing is a big one, people would stick around. But it's just, it's just that, honestly. Uh, also, yeah. Yeah. Also, Jeremy, I, I think a big part of that is because Robinhood is relatively new to all the other brokerages and because they appeal to, I would say, a younger crowd. It would make sense that your plaque awards would represent a much smaller share of that because younger people would obviously have less money 
they wouldn't have the million dollar portfolios yet. You'd be surprised if you go through our, our seven figure club hall of fame, you'd be surprised at how many of those people are really young. I don't know whether they got lucky playing some Tesla options or Tesla stock or what. No, I I believe there are exceptions. I'm not saying that there are, and and you would obviously be a disproportionate exception. I don't think Mm -hmm. you're the rule. Yeah. So, you know, I think on the whole, I think the people that uh, are obviously into Robin hood, are not necessarily older people who would generally have million dollar portfolios. That's so, true. No, that, yeah. that, that's the other thing point. I think with Robinhood is that uh, options trading is a lot easier. I think the user interface on Robinhood is uh, that I think is one of their biggest strengths. It's just, it's unparalleled to anything else. You do a lot of options trading on there, Graham? I don't, but I have to say <laughs> their interface and how they're, it's just, it's interesting to see like, how they break it down for you. Do you think the stocks can go up or down? Down. <laughs> go down. By this date, this date, this date. This date. Okay. How much do you want to put on that? Uh, this amount. Okay. Here's a recommendation for you. That's it. It's like they dumb it down. It's just that you can't go wrong. Like if you want to do it, they'll they'll walk you through it in such a way. It's like this or that. Okay. This or that. Done. <laughs> And Jeremy, let me tell you, the Robin Hood performance videos on YouTube do so much better than Fidelity. I'm just saying. Uh, that's, good. <laughs> that's probably a good point. That that reminds me of going to the casino and you go to play craps and you have no clue how to play. And the dealer's like, okay, do you want to you know, bet on a 7 and 11? You know, and it's like, oh, gosh. But no, that that's yeah. hilarious. So, um, Andre, yeah, let's get back to what you were talking about. Something about Germany, Austria. What's, what's going on with that Roni Rona situation? Yeah, so I have a couple friends staying from Germany, and they just told me yesterday that Austria went into full shutdown mode, and Germany looks like it's kind of teetering on that too. I, I don't know if you guys want to pull up the graph I sent you earlier, but their their cases are going up. They're at all-time highs. So the question is, are we going to get that same wave, or is are we already there, or is it just because we're not doing as much testing as they are? I don't know. But, I mean, that's kind of a scary situation. I would not want to go into lockdown mode again. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, that's what's going on. Yeah. And, I mean, the numbers, they really, you know, in the United States, I'll speak for that. The numbers went crazy in August, September, you know, here in the, the States to almost to where our peak numbers were in, in you know, certainly like here in Vegas, we, we have to mask up still and stuff like that. But it's not like there was that big of a change. So I don't know what the numbers would have to go to in the United States for us to actually go into lockdown again. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to tell because if they didn't, you know, in, in August, uh, September, why, why would they now? You know, so because I mean, what you're saying, why would they spike now? No, no, not not why the numbers were spiked, but why would they shut us down in the United States? Mm-hmm. If they didn't shut it down in September or in October when the numbers went crazy, why would they, they shut us down now? You know, um, I don't know. It would just be strange yeah. unless they got so insane with with the numbers that it went to way past peak. Then maybe maybe we're talking. I don't know what you guys think about that. Gosh, I'm not sure. It. Do we have a data for, I mean, we have the CDC, but that's not showing us like worldwide data. That's just the U.S. data that I'm seeing. So let's see. Uh, let's see. I don't think politically there's any way uh, another lockdown is going to get pulled off here in America. I just hope mm-hmm. our cases stay low. You know, who knows? Maybe they, 
they seal off the border from certain European countries or whatever again. But um, as long as we don't get a breakout here, I'm, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed we get through this winter. But you're already seeing it. I think it was Michigan or something. They're, they're already talking about their hospitals getting overwhelmed. Uh, it's concerning. You know, the Bloomberg, uh, Bloomberg's just reporting that they expect 2.2 million people to die in Europe based on current trends uh, by March. And the majority of those needing intensive care on ventilators or dying are unvaccinated. Uh, you even have, uh, I mean, I know a lot of people who are uh, unvaccinated or uh, just, just for whatever reason, you know, my body by choice, that's, that's fine. That's their, their choice prerogative. But a lot of them are actually starting to get their vaccines. So I don't know if this, what we're seeing in, in uh, Europe is, is uh, leading some folks to say, hey, maybe it's been out long enough now. It, to some degree, you know, I kind of hope so, because uh, I, I don't want to see another surge over here. And I definitely don't want to see another lockdown. And it's definitely not going to be good for recovery stocks. I mean, look at Carnival Cruise Lines. That thing's almost under $20 again. <laughs> right. Do you guys think that the news of, uh, I don't know if the news has kind of hit yet. Like, I don't think most people are aware just how bad Europe could potentially have it or is having it, especially in Germany. I don't think it's it's hit the U.S. just yet. So Bloomberg's I guess the question has been been on it the last couple days in, in the last couple morning live streams uh, that I've been doing, we've, we've been looking at it. And it's definitely something I, to keep an eye on. I have zero exposure though, to recovery stocks. So personally, like, you know, mm. I mean, not saying I want COVID uh, obviously to go up. I definitely don't, but uh, Hey, you know what, if, if it leads to some kind of fear sell off, bring it on. Like I'm I shotgun loaded, ready to buy the dip, you know? <laughs> I mean, tech stocks are just going to surge like crazy if that's the case. So I guess your ARK investment is going to do well. Your SARC, not so much, right? Yeah, uh, right. possibly. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I think that might be the expectation because that's what we saw last time around. But the stock market's funny. And you could just see people go, you know what? Uh, COVID's coming. Uh, we might have shutdowns again. Let's just Let's just go to cash. Let's get to the sidelines a little bit. Let's just wait and see how things fall out. Uh, I think, honestly, the biggest negative catalyst we face right now, well, up until last week, the biggest negative catalyst we had was really just stupid debt limit and budget bullcrap yeah. again, which we're going to start negotiating in about three weeks, uh, along with Biden's Build Back Better plan. Uh, now, it might actually end up being a COVID resurgence. You know, the very first article on Bloomberg.com, even in highly vaccinated New England, hospitals are suffering. This kind of like, the more you get stuff like this on the homepage of CNBC, on Bloomberg, the more people start getting panicky in the market. And they're like, you know what? I made good money this year. Let me start locking in some gains. So I just, I wouldn't be like, I've been calling for an end of the year stock market rally all year. It's come. Uh, now I'm kind of a little nervous that that people got their rally and they're going to start taking profits and we might see a, a, a potential sell-off between now and the end of the year. Obviously, again, I'm not hoping for that. I'm 85% long, but I'm prepping for it. Yeah, yeah. more long downs would also be wreck havoc for supply change and oh, prices. That's that true. Ma imagine that. Yeah, because think about it. Imagine if they had to shut down the port of Los Angeles or, or they shut down the Chinese ports again. Uh, now you you're going to just stoke the inflationary fears again, and uh, it, it, that's going to lead to more inflation expectations, which is really bad for tech stocks. Who knows? Maybe all of this could actually end up being good for crypto. People might just move their cash to crypto. No guarantees, but something to consider. Yeah. Speaking about crypto, Andre, why am I down ten percent on Bitcoin? 
What? Yeah, Andre. You hold like BGX. <laughs> hey, B- BGX, I'm up on. That's a money maker, baby. But Bitcoin. So why did BGX go up? Boost. I have Why did BGX go up then? VGX is now on Coinbase Pro, and then I think they also got on Binance. Yeah, they got listed. Yeah, they got yeah, listed. yeah. It's it's, yeah, it's but, one of those catalysts that like every crypto like you could create the like the worst project ever, and your top catalyst is going to be it could get listed on Coinbase though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm that buy. is really becoming like the new thing. It's like uh, instead of an IPO, it's like ooh, we just got listed on Coinbase. <laughs> That's right, twenty percent. And the the bigger version is if you get on Robinhood and the rumors start about ooh, it could go on Robinhood. <laughs> oh, yeah, Robinhood at this point is the pinnacle because there's so few listed that when you get listed, everyone wants to buy it. It's because there's no competition on there. But but in all seriousness, is there anything going on here with Bitcoin to worry about? Is it just short term volatility? What what any drama there? I mean, I don't follow like the technical price analysis, so maybe Kevin knows more about that, but from a macro perspective, it's just the same stuff as usual. Like the ETF that was rejected, you know, I mean, just standard stuff. That's what Bitcoin does day to day, week to week. Um, I don't see anything specific. I don't know about you guys, but I didn't see anything that was so concerning. Somebody, somebody was messaging me. I don't know what's conspiracy theory and what inside information people have or don't have. Somebody was messaging me the other night telling me about Mount Gox is about to release a bunch of Bitcoin over the next several weeks. It's been locked up for a long time. And they were reading it on this, this private Russian, uh, and everything's in Russian, on this website. And uh, not website, this Discord chat that they're a part of. And, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on, man. Honestly, man, those are, those are, I mean, it's somewhat of a concern, but like I cannot find for the life of me any good, source that's like credible like you see this stuff on reddit you see this stuff just in like these conversations but i'm not seeing anything as far as like what's what's the actual truth of like what's going on who who got their coins how many did they recover because you know 100 that those people did not recover their whole position so um i don't actually know how the government compensated for it for the for the last time i heard though it was if you lost your coins in mount gox you would only get the value of whatever it was at the time you lost it so if you had like 10 Bitcoins and at the time they were worth $400, then like you got $4,000 today. So, I mean, that's yeah. the last time I've heard, but I, I don't know what's actually going on. Yeah, you're not, you're not part of the right Russian Discord chats. Andre. I know, you man. Step your game up. <laughs> I'm not part of the mafia here. <laughs> yeah, you got to step your, step your game up. Oh, yeah. But... <laughs> I think I found it. So Cointelegraph yeah. is is pretty decent actually that's good, yeah that's good uh they they mentioned here data from coin telegraph markets pro and trading view show the okay here hold on this is just trading stuff so, uh okay here in an announcement some trustee confirmed the plans had now become final and binding with the implication that 141,000 bitcoin under custody would soon be distributed and so there's this potential fear that maybe that that would lead to a seller now 141,000 times 56, 274. I, I don't know how, those are big numbers. That's $7.9 billion. Um, For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, 
for the ones who get it done. I'm going to try to compare to see what that compares to for our like our daily volume because I, I don't have that off the top of my head. 7.9, that's that's a good chunk. Maybe that is why you're seeing a little bit more fear on Bitcoin than you are on, on Ethereum. I'm really looking at that like 54,800 level. We haven't gotten there yet. We've gotten to like 55.5. Kevin, uh, the 24-hour volume right now is 36 billion. So compare that. Eight, what? Okay. What, okay. 25%, 20%, 30%-ish? Uh, eight divided by 33 is... Yeah, twenty four point two. Yeah, uh, about a quarter. I mean, that's a lot. You know that that would uh, that would lead to a lot of um, supply. It certainly price would come down in the short term. Yeah, it could create a buy the dip opportunity. I might buy the dip. But how how much do you think something like that could dip? If theoretically, which would obviously never happen, uh, if all of those people decided to sell, that's twenty five percent of the daily volume. I mean, how much is that going to crash the price? It's not 25%. No, uh, I, because you're going to wake up all the buy the dippers and, and really right. like you have to, I always look at the crypto market as uh, the entire market, because if one thing crashes, people take their money from like Ethereum uh, and they run it over to Bitcoin. And so you kind of get this like back and forth. So I can't imagine, um, you know, just this Mt. Gox thing, the 7.9 billion, even if it got spread out over a week. I can't imagine more than like a 10 to 12% drawdown from something like that, but that's speculation too. Do we know the math? Like, do any of you guys know here? Because I, I don't know. Um, the math as far as liquidity goes with volume to like the sell-offs, like if, if it is 25%, like what is the direct price translation? Like kind of like how interest rates, you know, they, they go up by 1%, so prices are affected 10%. What is the correlation there? I don't know that you can do that because it, a lot of it comes down to uh, psychological thresholds that activate the buy the dippers. And, and we don't know how much cash they have available from other things. You know, maybe mm. they just a bunch of people just got done selling uh, billions of dollars of, of tech stocks and Tesla and they've got cash or maybe they're they're shorting ARK Invest and they're looking for their next opportunity. And Bitcoin goes to 49 and they're like, oh, I don't care if I'm down two or three percent on the SARC like bitcoin 49 like yes please you know and dump mm. all that crap and, and go buy it so i don't know right. that that we could ever come up with that it's very it's very inter interesting question i don't know yeah. <laughs> kevin you mentioned, know. you mentioned like a 10 to 12 percent dip what oh. happens if that triggers people's uh uh limit orders along the yeah. way and all of a sudden it's like it dumps 10 percent and it just trigger 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 yeah. and then all yeah. now we end up with the 25 percent drop it could yeah it could. yeah yeah yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I remember Michael Burry, uh, you know, like retweeted this uh, mathematician who's like studied the stock market and done these crazy calculations. And you know, what he was saying, what he this guy was basically coming to the point of was that for every one dollar bought in a stock, it would affect it actually five dollars. Mm. The same way on the flip side, if one dollar is sold, it would actually affect it basically by five. Now I, I need to look really into that study and see what happens there, but it almost kind of makes sense. Cause if you look at like small cap stocks, I mean, with how volatile they are, it, it's, it's crazy. Like you can see them drop 50, 60, 70, 80% in, in a snap of fingers. And then you can see them double like nothing. Right. And so it doesn't take a ton of money coming into it. So, you know, I don't want to say that, but it's an interesting point you bring up Andre that, you know, is it truly $1 for $1 in Bitcoin? Or is it like if somebody sells $1 worth of Bitcoin, it's actually 5x at or 10x at or 3x at, right? In terms yeah. of what it really affects for the price. 
So no, it, it's really hard to calculate because I think like Graham was on point. Like we have no idea how many liquidations that could potentially trigger. So it could be you know a fraction of on a to the downside or you know or a multiplier effect. So I don't know. I guess it depends on the strength of the market and the conviction of people's bags. Well, I think that study also came down to uh, how much money uh, is new money going into the market. Like if you're selling a stock to buy another stock, I don't think that $5 applied. I, I also have to reread that. Um, but I, I think they were referring to brand new money. So then it begs the question, like if the money's coming from Ethereum, does it matter? Oh, it looks like I just got, uh, it looks like um, Elon actually dumped some more Tesla shares. I wonder how many he just sold. <laughs> Ooh, breaking news. What did yeah. Elon dump this time? <laughs> Kevin, do you do you publicly uh, announce how many Tesla shares you have, or is that is that not publicly disclosed? Just I don't I don't know. Oh, sure. How, how many do you have, man? I, I'm curious. I look right now. A lot. No, it, it's it... twelve thousand seven hundred. Like, yes. <laughs> That's insane, man. Wow. <laughs> That's more than I thought. I was thinking like nine thousand. Holy smoke! Is that I actually just numbers? sold a uh, thousand. Wow. Uh, it was two yesterday. I don't know. It was like 1170. Uh, I closed a covered call I had. Uh, I was up only like eight grand on that. And uh, then I uh, I sold a thousand shares. I don't remember exactly what I did. But anyway, I took these like tiny little profits. I should have closed my options because I have two more options left on, on Tesla. But that's okay. I've closed 95% of my options. But uh, the exact number is okay. After my sale, I'm actually at twelve thousand twenty-eight now. So I'm not at twelve thousand seven. Mm -hmm. Twelve thousand twenty-eight. How many shares do you have? Yes, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> if you put Kevin's shares and Elon's together, they pretty much control all of Tesla. Let's just put it that oh, way. It's incredible. So, but seriously, what what happened with this Elon situation? This breaking news here, Kevin. Yeah, it just came through 10 minutes ago. I'm just trying to load the filings now. They're just pinwheeling. How did you see probably. it? Blue terminal? Is that, is that how you saw it? No, uh, SEC alerts. Uh, you can you could sign up for them anytime there's a Form 4 or whatever, or company filing or whatever. I have an email that just, there are a million of them here. It's so spammy. Uh, and if you don't know the name, sometimes it's really annoying. Like I see like seven or eight Form 4s here. I'm like, I don't even know what company these people work for. So I'd have to sit there and kind of click on them and go through them. Usually it's pretty annoying. Uh, and it's just lagging so much right now. I can't even get the darn thing up, but I'll, I'll keep trying. <laughs> oh, here. It looks like somebody else has already consolidated it into a tweet. He sold another. And uh, let's see. Elon exercised 2.1 uh, million. It says options today. I'm not sure if that's shares or options. And sold 934,000 shares under the same 10B51 put. So he actually didn't sell shares voluntarily. It, it was just another sell uh, per his automated plan, which is really interesting that he's not really selling. A lot of people think he's not selling right now because maybe they're in a blackout period because they're about to announce a stock split. But those are just lots of rumors. That's an interesting rumor, Kevin. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what do you think the chances of them are doing another stock split? I saw you posted the video. I, I haven't had a chance to watch that one. Yeah, I would say at this price, probably 15%. I think if we ran up to, you know, remember the last time we did a, well, Elon was asked around 850, like, hey, is it ready to, to split the stock? And he's like, 
no, not yet. And it was while Tesla was running, which kind of implies like, no, it's not too expensive yet, right? It's at $1,100 even right now. The last time we split around 13, like 78 is when they announced it. So, uh, you know, maybe somewhere between 13 to 1500. I don't, I mean, who knows? Maybe it's going to be 12, nine. That's, that's D day for what the rumor mill is saying, but nobody knows. Uh-huh. For sure. I, I can't even find um, the, the Elon stuff yet on CNBC. Oh, yeah. Wait another hour. Yeah. yeah. Kevin's it, faster than the news. Yes. Yeah. Kevin, you need to record a video while we're doing this. And, I already did. You know, with, <laughs> while you know, we're doing you did, it. <laughs> you did post it. And he posted it. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's it's very done. well done. It's editor. Yeah. CNBC is <laughs> going to happen in an hour. And Hungry Bowl, we're going to have it in the next few days for you guys. So just wait <laughs> on that, okay? <laughs> but the stock, the, the, the stock split, Kevin, seriously, do you think this would, do you think Tesla would go on another run if all of a sudden Elon announces, hey, we're splitting the stock again? What's your right. Probably. It's like the stock split psychology is so nutty to me. But anytime these big favorites do a spot, stock split, what happens is they just get prime time airtime again. Uh, Nvidia, Tesla, doesn't matter. And the way this stock market is right now is if your stock is talked about, it goes up. If you are investing in a stock that nobody cares about, it can have the best valuation in the world. It goes down. For example, Carvana, sexy, much higher valuation than Shift Technologies, which is also a used car uh, dealer, was a SPAC. And, uh, you know, Shift's going to the toilet. Uh, and so the, the sex appeal is pretty much the only thing, in my opinion, propping up a lot of these valuations right now, which is insane. Robinhood's kind of getting the opposite of that, which is a red flag or, an, or a potential like warning sign if you want to buy the dip on Robinhood. Because every day, it seems like CNBC is running stories about how Robinhood had a data leak and that data is now for sale on the black market. Like they just can't get a break with bad news. Right. That's a good point. Andre, you know, yeah. for, for folks that are curious about this, um, you know, Bitcoin went through, what is it called? A soft fork recently. I think they, they refer to it as that, not a hard fork, a soft fork. So first off, can you explain to people what the heck the difference is between a soft fork and a hard fork? And and why did this not shoot Bitcoin higher? Like, why is Bitcoin not at an all-time high? So I think there was at least some folks of the opinion like, oh, this is going to skyrocket Bitcoin. And obviously it hasn't. Yeah, I honestly, off the top of my head, can't right now explain soft fork, fork versus hard fork. Uh, it's like very software engineering code wordy, but um, I know hard work, hard fork is um, a, a hard, gosh, I don't even know how to sound it, say it without sounding silly. It's a harder change. It's a harder upgrade to the protocol. Okay, that's it's, good. It's what? different, yeah. One other, you know, I did a video about it uh, and uh, gosh, this was a few weeks ago. Now I, I'm trying to remember. Uh, a hard fork usually leaves you with another blockchain. So, for example, if you, you hard fork, you, you have now uh, two versions. You have the new rules uh, for, for Bitcoin, and then you have the, the old version. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a soft one, you're getting so much consensus that, that the old version just ceases to exist. Like nobody's going to be able to verify transactions on the old chain anymore. So now you're sitting in uh, a newly updated uh, yeah. path basically so so that uh, soft fork would be more consensus base a uh, hard fork example would be like here's bitcoin and now here's bitcoin cash because we had a disagreement right. <laughs> yeah both forks produce two two roads but it was only the hard fork that produces a i guess like a 
actually two hard forks that just like actually two blockchains that two functioning are, blockchains right because if all the if all the miners move over then the right. other one just dies <laughs> right it, it happened in ethereum by the way when ethereum got hacked i think it was in 2014 or 2015 someone stole like 50 million dollars worth of ethereum and it hard forked into uh, uh, Ethereum Classic and Ethereum. In the oh, yeah. Ethereum Classic version of Ethereum, the hacker had his coins, whereas the Ethereum original fork, it, the guy did not have the coins and the people didn't have their money stolen. That's kind mm -hmm. of the differences. I don't know if that helps kind of explain it. But uh, yeah, the, the upgrade I think is called the Taproot upgrade, which is just supposed to be an, uh, an upgrade to like efficiency uh, privacy and it also has um, smart contracts that it could kind of do sort of like what Ethereum can do but yeah. because Bitcoin is just so expensive to use I don't see it I mean Ethereum is too like the gas fees are ridiculous it, it's, it's isn't really Ethereum crazy. gas fees worse than Bitcoin because I'm surprised Bitcoin has not seen any impact in price on this uh, well, that's because trip. because Bitcoin isn't really uh, we don't we're not using it people aren't using it for anything so it's uh, people are just holding yeah. it the fees are not that that expensive as Ethereum, which is used constantly. I so, know, but just Bitcoin's potential to be able to do NFTs and smart contracts, shouldn't that alone, shouldn't developers be like up 24 seven now, just trying to like make this happen? It seems like that's that's really exciting. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think I, they are. Uh, I, I, I think they are. I just think it takes, it's not that easy to code this stuff uh, and, and right. to make it appear overnight. So I think probably one of the reasons maybe the taproot upgrade wasn't so exciting was kind of because nothing happened uh, yeah i think there were a lot of expectations that all of a sudden bitcoin was going to be going to be this revolutionary uh, have this revolutionary change and it's kind of like no it, it actually did exactly what it was supposed to do upgrade uh, the blockchain without creating problems you had a really successful transition with with miners transitioning over verifying uh transactions now with the taproot upgrade and uh i would expect give it six to 12 months and uh, now you are going to have cheaper transactions uh bundled transactions for smart contracts there are a lot of cool things in it i mean not to mention that the taproot upgrade has been known for such a long time that i think if anything the price went up when people announced it and now that it went live it's more like okay cool now i'll just sell it right it's it's you know it's trading <laughs> it's trading exactly exactly so long term i think kevin's right it's going to be awesome but in the short term i just think no one cares also i don't know bitcoin's um like language i think was ethereum using like solidity or something it's it, it might be a different language than what bitcoin's using so it's it's like kevin said it's not something you can like build overnight this takes this stuff takes months and years to develop so um i think it's just going to take some time i agree yeah so what about real estate? And any of you buy you guys buying real estate? Maybe see if you can get some tax deductions. Kevin, you were talking a while ago about maybe starting a fund. Did you decide uh, against that, or is is just not worth it? It's it's very difficult. I've spent the the last few weeks really just looking at uh, all of the 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 opportunities, and there just aren't that many. <laughs> so with multifamily, you have to overpay to get a lot of multifamily, which is not necessarily a horrible thing if, uh, if if you got a really quality, in my opinion, renovated property and it's virtually new, like class A, pretty new, and you wanna park some cash in there, get some accelerated depreciation, great. You know, there's there's your benefit. If you can raise the rents even better, uh, you know, for, for investor point of view, I generally don't raise rents because then I have to deal with more turnover, so I just leave my rents a little bit lower. It's fine with me, because cash flow is pretty taxable anyway. So, 
Um, but in terms of single family homes, my goodness, the only people selling right now are really people who have to. And uh, probably, if anything, you'll see a higher por- a percentage of fixers coming up on the market over the next six weeks. But even if you bought a fixer upper, there's no way you'd be able to fix it up before the end of the year and actually get some big tax benefits. So uh, I'm still for buying single families, but that's difficult to do on scale. You'd be flying around for single families. You'd have to have a jet. And if you had a jet, you'd be, it wouldn't make sense anymore deal-wise because it, you'd be spending so much money on pilots and gas. That wouldn't make sense. Uh, you don't really have to fly around that much for big multifamily deals because A, there aren't that many good ones. Uh, the ones that are around have been kind of picked over. And uh, yeah, otherwise it's kind of a boring market. I don't know. It sucks. And, and Graham, what happened to you? You used to be buying real estate left and right. Now you don't do it anymore, man. <laughs> Jeez, it's just, it's it's so much work to find a deal right now. It, it, yeah. And frankly, I would rather spend the time growing the channel. I think between the two, I'd rather pump out an extra few vlogs on the Stefamily channel than try to track down another deal try to deal with a remodel. It's just, it's so taxing in a way that, uh, you know, I had, I had the time I, I, I could be up 24 seven if I needed to in the past. Uh, I only have so much stamina now for, you know, so long of a day and it's, I just can't, I can't, it doesn't make sense at this point. If I could, and here's the thing too. I, I looked briefly, Kevin, why are you shaking your head, Kevin? There's a Jeremy saying, that's what she said. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I only have so much stamina now. I, I missed it. Uh, but yeah, but I, I looked briefly even at like bigger multifamily deals because I thought, all right, cool. If I could put $3 million down, now I'm like a big player and I could I could get something at like $12 million in the middle of the country. That, But guess what? Oh, man. It, now you're competing with these all-cash hedge funds and REITs and these big-time investors who uh, they don't care. They have so much money that yeah. – They'll just pay whatever. They're just like, no, I just want the deal. No, that's it. Well, it's not even their money. It's like a REIT. And they're like, well, we have this amount of money allocated to buy a deal. There you go. It's even more competitive. I thought it was going to be less to compete with other investors. No, more competitive right now. It's insane. You're better yeah, off. Right. Honestly, you're better off spending the time negotiating with, uh, with, with uh, uh, individual homeowners. Who just and if I were going to do something, I like – or if I were going to buy more real estate myself, I would just personally not want to buy in the middle, in the Midwest or in areas that either A, I'm unfamiliar with. Uh, maybe there's a higher poverty rate. Maybe uh, there's less population growth. I'd rather be honestly in, in SoCal. Uh, and I know that sounds crazy because, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, I never want to invest with those libtards, like the whatever, you know, the regulations and like, I get it. Right. Uh, but I just, lo- I think Amer- in America, Southern California is the only place you get this weather. So I don't care what factory moves in and out, uh, San Diego, Oceanside, the beaches in LA, uh, you know, Ventura, Santa Barbara. This is real estate that I just love. And if I'm going to buy, that's where I want to buy. Yeah, it does almost feel like LA real estate is almost global real estate. It's, it's almost like isolated from the whole geographical perspective because everyone wants to buy there and everyone wants to live there and that's uh and that's not even, that's uh, not even the biggest factor i mean you have to factor in the fact that tattoo chef has their headquarters in southern california and so with how big that company is going to be over time massive that's the biggest deal that southern california has okay let's be clear about that is the hopeful expansion to 
hundreds of thousands of employees, corporate campuses everywhere, tattooed chef everywhere. That's the main thing you're thinking about, right, Kevin? <laughs> well, I was actually thinking about what you texted me about that little clip about their margins being so affected by supply chains. Uh, that's unfortunate, uh, but it's actually, I think, longer run, somewhat bullish. It's going to be a while before they deal with this because I don't, I, I don't know this uh, because I also, I, honestly, I don't pay attention that much to Tattoo Chef uh, anymore. But I don't think they can afford to airship their their products, which probably would make sense because you're talking about tons of of product. So you're probably container shipping a lot of this food, uh, the ingredients certainly from Italy or or whatever. Uh, and, and they got to be, I mean, clearly the clip you sent me, I, w- I wish we could play it, but it was basically, uh, the executives talking about how their margin would have been like, what, 8% higher or something great. Uh, if she, it weren't for these shipping issues, she was talking about 25%. So, oh my gosh. About, yeah. 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 So unfortunately that's going to be a headwind for probably the next six to nine months. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean that. Then you might be off to the races when you can actually finally start getting profits again. <laughs> Which isn't. I'm not trying to diss on it. I, I, know, I mean, I like, know. hey, that might. It might just be that you you have another seven to eight months or whatever until those supply things lighten up to buy the dip. You know, I mean, that's yeah. what I was doing with Enphase. I'm like, they're they're complaining about supply chain issues, and I'm like, great, supply chain issues are not really the fault of the companies. It's not like mm-hmm. the employees are sucking or the product sucks. Uh, at least for Enphase, uh, so so I like in, buy, like buying those those sorts of supply chain dips. Yeah, all that all that you know is is short term stuff. Eventually, it goes away. It's just a question of when does it go away? Is it one quarter, two quarters, four quarters, whatever? But uh, yeah, and I, I also man, I, I hope we don't have to shut down again because I yeah, the supply chains, man, they're still messed up for for a lot of companies. It's it's amazing how many companies it's really affecting. And um, it, there's also some stocks that you know Nordstrom is down massive today. I think it, after hours went all the way down to twenty four. Yeah. Um, yeah. So some of these companies, I don't know. Once again, I, I know we talked about this last week. I think it's going to be very important to watch the middle class this upcoming year. You know, I think that's where people's eyes and should really be. Yeah, see see what happens, uh, you know, when, when it comes to that. I don't know. The debt clock. Yeah, and the debt clock, Graham, that's every year. you got to keep an eye on the debt clock because it's amazing how much it goes up every year. It's simply astronomical. Mm. But uh, We should pull it up. We should pull it up. <laughs> <laughs> pull it up and talk about the middle class. <laughs> no, I agree with you, Jeremy. I do think middle class is a good indicator. It's a good uh, ETF to pay attention to. An index. Yeah, and money's money's yeah. hiding out in some of the big tech guys. I don't know if you've seen Apple. Uh, Apple's moved up. Shoot, I think it's like I want to say like ten percent in the past month. Apple, yeah. you know, after it's already been on a big run, it seems like money is still flowing to big tech, hiding out there. And it, I mean, outside of that, it's really hard to see a lot of um, stocks prospering out of, you know, the Teslas and Nvidia's. I understand Tesla's come down from its all time high, but that stock still has been on a heck of a run the past six months. Apple, Microsoft, Nvidia, Amazon, Google, McDougal, and uh, some of those have just been holding it down. And meanwhile, a lot of the under $10 billion stocks have been getting devastated. And it just, I think there's, I have a, I have a theory. I think there's a lot of tax loss harvesting going on. And I think they'll probably continue yeah. to be. You know, because a lot of people, especially, you know, we had a lot of stocks run that early part of the year. I think a lot of people made a lot of profits. Now they're probably down on a bunch of stocks and like, let me go ahead and write off the stock against this stock. It's probably not going to move in the next 30 days. 
because you yeah. just got to wait for the wash sale rule to be over. Then they're like, I'll buy it back in January. It'll probably be the same price or cheaper. That's the way a lot of folks are looking at it. So, Jeremy, I think the TTCF should just do a stock split and then it would just go to the moon. <laughs> Not, imagine, uh, if, imagine if crypto adopted that same stock mechanic. It's like, hey, Bitcoin just had a four for one or 10 for one stock split or a crypto split. Did, That'd be where, great. Some cryptos. Right? Weren't some cryptos doing that for a while or something like that? I thought that was like a thing for a little bit there. Maybe I'm mistaken. No, no that would require a soft fork, but probably a hard fork if that were to happen for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't think All people right. would ever agree to changing the 21 million limit, but if they did, that would be crazy. Hey, I got a question for you, Andre. Why is Binance coin the third or fourth biggest market cap coin in the world? Because Binance is the biggest exchange in the world. Mm. So with that being said, is it impossible to imagine VGX being not that big, right? But being mm. exponentially bigger than it is, assuming Voyager has success over the next five years and they keep Kevin's money in his account? <laughs> I think that'd be great. Let's keep Kevin's money. As long as Kevin's money's in there, that's going to keep him afloat for a couple of years. Don't <laughs> worry. I got 34 more days. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but right. but seriously, what, what do you think, Andre? Like, you know, wouldn't that bode well for something like VGX or just any any major crypto exchange brokerage? Wouldn't that you know be a good thing for their their house coin? If what happened exactly? Essentially, if if you know you look at something like VGX, right? It's the core of of Voyager. If you're a customer, right? Why would Voyager not increase exponentially over the next few years if Voyager, the company, the brokerage, gets a lot bigger over the coming years? Maybe it never gets to Binance, where it's the third biggest market cap or whatever, but why can't it go up to a $10 billion, $15 billion, $20 billion market cap over the coming years? Honestly, I don't know the mechanics of that coin. What's the supply limit of it? Do you know? Uh, it's like 200 and maybe $80 million or something like that. So um, and I don't know, you know yeah, what I'm Binance is at. But I mean, it, it's just, use it, yeah. Yeah. So go go ahead. You were saying that people use Binance, so that's why it's so highly valued. Or people holding it because they believe it's going to go up more over time. What's what's the situation? It just it just gives them easy liquidity. You know, it just move like crypto in and out of that. And yeah, you're right. If 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 Voyager becomes more popular and it, it has those perks and benefits, and if they continue with their interest rates and it gets bigger, I could see Voyager move up and the VGX, but. I didn't really look at the catalysts. Like, I don't know their mechanics for that token or how many there are, but it stands to reason, obviously, that like if it gets bigger, it's going to just become more valuable over time. But besides the, since now they're in Coinbase Pro, I don't see what other catalysts in the short term we would have for the coin to go up in value. So I don't know. In the short term, I don't see it going up much more, but I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, Binance coins almost $100 billion mark cap, it's the third biggest. In, in the world um yeah. and so yeah it's just crypto.com coin is actually the 13th biggest crypto in the entire world Dude, have you seen crypto.com's marketing in vegas it is on every billboard oh, holy yes. crap even in the uh the what is it world market center or what is it the the new one that we built the casino i always forget its name i always call it the world market center right or the you know, the, the new one. casino that we built. Yeah. Resorts Resort World. Resorts World. We both remember. Yeah, okay, Resorts World. Yeah. they. So Resorts World, I think it's like the biggest billboard in the world. They have Crypto.com on that, just front and center. Yeah. You know what I, I saw? Even... I, I saw a hockey game, 
and they were advertising at the hockey game. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. It's crazy. But their credit cards are really cool. Like their black obsidian one, that's insane. Um, but you need you need a four hundred thousand dollars right now, I think, to get to get that card. You need uh, staked uh, around roughly four hundred thousand dollars worth of CRO, their their token or their coin. Wow, what the heck happened to Bitcoin Cash, guys? That's down to twenty second biggest now. Twenty second biggest? You said down yeah. or up? Uh, twenty second biggest market cap out there. It used to be. I remember Bitcoin Cash used to be like between four and seven consistently back in the day. It, it was top ten at some point, actually. I, for a long time, I think it was, and time, then yeah. wow, now down to twenty second. This is yeah. You guys ever tracked that one, or not one you ever care about? I did. I followed it religiously closely in twenty seventeen after it split because that was Bitcoin's like first contentious hard fork, and that was crazy, man. Like I, I so big, yeah. Bitcoin Cash is just like the alternative scaling strategy, right? Scaling the blockchain itself, whereas Bitcoin is trying to scale off chain on the Lightning Network, so. I was like, hey, who knows? I just held the coin because you never know like how long these hard forks take to play out. For all I know, it could be like a, a couple of years worth before we find out how Bitcoin can scale. I don't know. It's it's was it's that Roger Veer guy, was he a bad thing for Bitcoin Cash? He was a really smart guy, but he just wasn't he just wasn't very likable, unfortunately. And I don't think, and he was kind of like the face of Bitcoin Cash, and he's a very polarizing character. Hmm. So I think it, it did play in the detriment of Bitcoin Cash because he was like, you know, like the dictator of the crypto. And I, I don't think crypto and dictators go hand in hand very well. Yeah. So it, it was it was a huge part of like the downfall, not to mention that the powers that be within Bitcoin Cash, they were such huge players that they like fractured themselves and they, they could not agree on consensus for anything. And then they split into Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin Satoshi Vision. And then it was just like, I stopped following it. It's too much drama for me, man. <laughs> but the yeah. Bitcoin whales, they get along pretty well, though. What do you mean, Bitcoin, Bitcoin whales? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a Bitcoin whale. <laughs> <laughs> That's Kevin. Nonsense. <laughs> Nonsense. Uh, Kevin and Andre get along just fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess in this group, we are the whales. Wait. Graham, you're kind of the whale. Nah. Yeah, you're really. what? 5.5 mil of Bitcoin now, Graham? Was it? <laughs> no. Oh, no. I, I couldn't. I About couldn't. a million. About a million total Bitcoin Ethereum. There we go. Wow. So we have roughly the same portfolio yeah. size. Jeez. Man. You got to get with it, Jeremy. Graham, was that? what is your cost basis on that portfolio? Like you said, 1.2. What's your? Uh, maybe like six. 50 that's amazing i, I, I haven't looked yeah because i bought big chunks around like 30, 30. to 40 and then but i've been dollar cost averaging in but when it dropped uh when it dropped down to that like 30k range i bought back in a lot more yeah my i would say my cost basis minus my omi which was like 150 grand wow. is 100 and my portfolio wow. is sitting at like 0.2 so i that's crazy yeah it's insane Nice. Hey, uh, before we jump, I want to ask Kevin, I want to ask your opinion about two Kathy Wood stocks. Um, Teladoc and uh, also, what was the other one I want to ask you about? Teladoc. Oh, and Zoom. Zoom. Any any interest in either of those stocks? They've crashed completely. Both are down 50% plus from 52 guys. No, unfortunately, I think they have more to go. Uh, you know, I don't want to FUD those. Uh, but I, And I also, I don't know. 
I'm not very well educated in them. I do think Teladoc uh, has much more IP than Zoom. Uh, I will say, though, I was very impressed. I uh, looked through Zoom's earnings when they posted this week, and I was very impressed. They're holding on to users. Uh, you know, their revenue beat expectations, their net beat expectations, their forecast beat expectations. Their company did great. The stock still sold off 15%, which I, I was I was really shocked by that. But um, then again, I'm not shocked by anything anymore in this market because I think people are like, yeah, valuation's a little too high right now. Remember, this all also came after, and I think the same a similar risk is what TDoc has. A, a lot of, um, in my opinion, a lot of the action we've seen in the last two trading days has followed this one Bloomberg piece. Bloomberg did a piece Friday night about how they forecast that software company valuations will compress 20% in 2022, uh, thanks to inflation fears, uh, thanks to uh, lower growth rates. Like, I, I don't want to say falling growth, because when people hear that, they're like, like, I got a comment. I said that on Monday morning, and somebody's like, what are you talking about? I work in software, and we're growing like crazy. Well, well yeah, but falling growth rates would mean, like, you're growing at 30%, you're growing at 30%, then you're growing at 29%, 28%, right? Uh, and they they think that inflection is going to lead to value compressions of about 20%. That doesn't mean the stocks are going to fall at 20%, but you're going to have some valuation compression. So people aren't going to award as high of a multiple anymore. And we've really seen a sell-off more this week in those particular stocks that, that they were mentioning, like Cloudflare, Zoom, Palantir, those were all mentioned. It, it's just, just so fun. It, it's so funny to me because, I mean, you're looking at these stocks like a Teladoc, $200, $300, everybody's like, buy, buy, buy. It was no question about valuation. Now it drops to 100. People are like, it needs to drop to 20, you know, 50 before well, I get involved. And, and, and I'm mean, not saying I, you, Kevin, it's just the market, yeah. you know. Well, I think that's true, uh, you know, of uh, of, of people who maybe are, are in it. But like, like you just clarified, I'm not in those. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you, you have a lot of institutions – that buy things because they're going up uh, and it's it's really bad <laughs> like uh, I, I think a lot of hedge funds or whatever get pressured by their clients like why aren't you in lucid why aren't you in rivian it just went up and it's like <laughs> oh valuation like you know what jay i'll never forget this maybe we end on this i'll never forget jp morgan uh, saw nicola running and they must have gotten so beat up by people about not being in nicola that they came out with the thing and they're like, okay, we're interested in Nikola. I don't remember if they were buying or they were just issuing their support for it, but they put out a higher price target for it. And they're like, you know what? Nikola's great. And their reason was it's a great story stock. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's to me, story it's like stock. it all goes back to this. This stock market is a business of getting clients and keeping clients. And if you're not in the latest hot stock, you better get in it. So you can tell your clients, oh, don't worry. We got in at Tesla at 1200 because it's going to the moon. <laughs> you know, I, I do not envy that. Yeah, the fairy tales, that only works in the crypto market. But uh, anyways, uh, one thing Sick I want to go on. Jeremy. Sick burn. <laughs> we, we, guys, we haven't covered the biggest subject of the night. Okay. We got a, the biggest subject we got to address. Graham is going to go on vacation for the first time in years. Oh, yeah. And we got to find out about this. And Graham, how much money are you dropping on this extravagant vacation oh, that you haven't taken in years? Tell us about this before we sign off. for the night. Yeah, well, 
gosh, the the plane ticket and the hotel would have been like fifty five hundred dollars total as for five nights. So like I think of a thousand dollars a night just wow. between the plane tickets and the hotel. It was free with credit card points. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, so so the trip itself is free. Brandon over at Bigger Pockets offered to lend me his Tesla Model Three uh to, to drive around so and, and we're going to be seeing him on uh, thanksgiving which i think is really cool so big shout out to brandon bigger pockets we've been wow. talking for four years now never met him in person yet so that's pretty cool he's got but, a fund yeah. now what's up he has a fund i think they're buying like mobile homes and they're milking cash flow really see <laughs> i talked to him about i i'd potentially do something like that but uh now overall i think we because because out of pocket we'd probably spend money on food and experiences so i'm guessing i don't know another like two grand i'm guessing because we're gonna i want to go like scuba diving and uh stuff like that so i'm guessing probably a few hundred a day on like random excursions food drinks stuff like that make sure you go to road to hana and you go to mama's fish house that was that place was awesome. You might have to order takeout because their their lines are. I think it's like a couple months that they're uh, ordered. Oh wow! So, yeah. So but, uh, so yeah. So that'll be exciting. Get yeah, text me that Andre just so I have it. But uh, yeah. yeah, leaving tomorrow morning and then I'm back on Monday nights, and wow. I've had to work overtime. I've worked like probably 15 hours a day this 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 whole week just to get out enough content to take five days off, and then by the time I get back, I'm caught up. So we're I've gonna, got like we're gonna see a lot of evergreen day. stuff. <laughs> I, I've tried to balance the two, but yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm ex if you can't tell, I'm exhausted because I've got a week's worth of content pre-filmed yeah. across all the channels, including that's the vlogs. Cool. So like everything is done. So because that's the only way I could go on vacation and enjoy it, so I don't fall behind. It's the yeah, only way. That's crazy. But I did it. Good, good for you, Graham. I think that's why a lot of people get sick before they take a vacation or they're like sick on their vacation because they overwork themselves getting ready for the vacation and then they end up you know hopefully that doesn't happen to you but i just know that's like actually a common thing that unfortunately happens to people nah. so, no see i i enjoy it it's just been so many late nights where like even after this i have to finish a video i wanted to go to the gym today i just i can't so it's okay it is what it is understand so, anyway all right graham sign us off guys if you enjoyed this week's episode, first of all, actually, happy Thanksgiving to everyone who's uh, in the U.S. celebrating Thanksgiving. Uh, have a great holiday week and weekend. Happy Black Fridays. Make sure to subscribe. Hit the like button. Check out the links down below in the description. We also have the Millennial Money Clips channel. You definitely don't want to miss that. And uh, I think that's it. Thank you, guys. And uh, until next time. Good night.